I want to, well, that's where we're going to land. But my first verse I want to read to you is something I was going to say just as sort of an introduction. It's, it's, it's really, um, it, 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 I designed it to be someplace else in the service, but I decided to put it in the sermon notes because I wanted you to think with me about this principle. This is wisdom is good. This is from Ecclesiastes 7. I'm going to start there first. Ecclesiastes 7, 11. Wisdom is good with an inheritance. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Wisdom is good with an inheritance. Say it again. Come on. Wisdom is good with an inheritance. One more time. Say it again. Come on. Wisdom is good with an inheritance. So I want you to follow this. Wisdom is good with an inheritance. And he's talking about money. Now this sermon is not about money, so just hang with me, but, but, but follow the principle. With, not that that's a wrong thing, but that's not the goal of the sermon. Wisdom and inheritance go together. You put those two together, he says it's a good thing. You can have money, but if you don't have wisdom, then you, 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 can't, you can't succeed. It's all about learning how to combine, say, wisdom, wisdom. and inheritance. Amen. He said, for wisdom, verse 12, is a defense as money is a defense. When you put wisdom together and money together, you can defend yourself. You can become hurricane strong. Those two together, you can be a very sincere person, you can know, 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 know the Bible and all that, but if you don't have the two of those together, when trouble comes, you can't defend yourself. And so the goal is to embrace those two. I strongly believe the way churches have been trained to think, the way preachers have been trained to think is unhealthy because they're always in this constant state of need and crisis. And that's not the long-term place God wants any of us to be. The Message Bible says it this way, wisdom is better when it's paired with money. <laughs> I love that. Especially if you get both while you're still living. <laughs> Don't wait till you die. <laughs> Verse 12, double protection. Come on, say it with me, please. Come on. Double See, wisdom and wealth. Wisdom and wealth. This is a, this is a plus. It's a bonus. This is what God wants in our lives. And, and knowing how to put those two together is what unlocks amazing doors for us. I want to, if I can, make some personal observations about, about money, about this, this statement he made. First of all, most Americans are not financially wise because they are not prepared for the unexpected. And that's what I'm talking about today. Repeat the topic with me, please. Say gifted, gifted. to deal with, to deal with the unexpected. Now, I'll come back and explain more of that in just a minute. But we are gifted by God to deal with the unexpected. I'm going to show you a story today in a moment. It's the second encounter of a guy named Elijah with a woman. And in that story, I'm going to show you a powerful principle. And I'll come back to that in a minute in 1 Kings 17. But plow with me further here for a minute. Second personal observation I want you to notice is that not only is, are most Americans not good um, financially, but most city governments are not financially wise because they're not prepared for the unexpected. And every city government has a limit. Our budget here is someplace around, oh boy, I think I forgot the number, 346 million. I had knew it yesterday, I forgot now. And then we're 1.7% above last year's budget in terms of increase. But every city, including Savannah, has a budget. There's a dollar amount that they have. Most churches are financially not wise. Now, I believe there's a reason for that, because they're not prepared for the unexpected. And that doesn't change. Listen to me. Nothing changes until you change. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Nothing changes until you change. Here's when, here's when things change in your life, the day you change them. 
Here's when your marriage will change. Today you change it. Here's when your life will change. When you say, today's the day I start walking 30 minutes a, three times a week. And I start today, after church. Walk fast to your car. <laughs> it's, it's when I make that declaration. That's when things change. I have this thought today. How do you see yourself? Be the person you imagine yourself to be. <coughs> Start thinking about what you, what you dream. Most of us don't have the right vision of who we need to be. Churches have the wrong vision of who they need to be. As our gathering, the way you see coming here, if you're not careful, it, it's the wrong reason. It, it's just to dress up and feel good spiritually and go out of here and say you went to church. No, it's to become so impacted and so changed and so ignited that something profound happens to you. Amen. And you stop running and you start rising. Amen. And everything in you becomes different and more strong and more powerful. And when problems come and challenges come, you are stronger yeah. and better at that makes church worthwhile Amen. anything else is a waste of time in my opinion and for a guy who grew up being unchurched and who didn't go until he was about 15 I want you to hear me I'm clear Amen. that this needs to have value in your life it needs to do something to you now there's some hard <laughs> to ignore facts about government there's some hard to ignore facts about families and churches and let me show you what they are number one our income in America is 3.2 trillion dollars a year. That's this year's income, 2016. Can you say 3.2 trillion? Come on. Our spending is about 3.8 trillion a year. We spend 3.8, we take in 3.2. That is a total of 587 billion dollars more than we take in in one year. That has led us to a, watch this now, 17 trillion dollars in debt problem. Now let me explain what that means. Imagine for a second that you made $100,000. I'm trying to make the math easy, okay? Uh, you like that number? How many you like that number? I can lower it, 50,000. How many say 20,000? Want to get, get another and make you feel good, okay? But let's just say, for example, for fun, you made $100,000 a year, but you spent 110000 So you had to put $10,000 in your credit card. You with me? Did that first year. Second year, you made 100000 again, but you spent another 10000 How much now do you have in your credit card? And the third year, you did the same thing, and now how much you got on your credit card? 30000 That's what America's done. Every year, we spend more than we take in. Now, you can't feel too bad because all of us want the government to give us something. We want a handout, we want a deduction, and I get that, and I like my deductions, and I understand, but we all have to be honest that we all contributed to this. Well, some might say, now, this is not a political statement. This is true. Who's to blame for that deficit? Is it the Republicans, Democrats? Come on, say everybody. It's everybody. It is, it, the deficits have run through. Go look them up. And if you look on your, on your, on your notes, Ricky Temple gave you a resource. You can go look it up for yourself. You know me. I want you to look it up. USFederalBudget.us. USFederalBudget.us. Look it up. They got the, the, the whole financial sheets, the, the profit loss, the cash flow. It's all there for you to research on your own. See for yourself. It's not just a preacher talk. So think about it for a second. You keep running up the credit card, keep running up the credit card. So what happened? How did we get here? Is it Obama's fault? I'm not defending. I'm just making a point. No, it's not just Obama. Let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you what happened. Ready? And Bush left office. Not blaming Bush either because, you know, with the war. I understand their tactics. That's a couple of trillion right there. You with me? Amen. Say amen. Come on. Amen. 
we had to go get him. Now, we had to fight back. We couldn't just do nothing. That's a couple of three trillion right there. So anyway, so Bush, when he left office, he threw, the, he threw that budget deficit down the hill and told Obama, go catch it. <laughs> <laughs> By the time he caught it, it had doubled. So I want to be fair now. Let's be fair. But the deficits have been around for a long time. It didn't just start. So let's, let's not just tell the whole truth. Now watch this. But that's a hard thing to know sometimes. And at some point, we've got to respond to that. You know that's not a good plan. But it's also hard to ignore facts about families and churches. We don't have enough financial resources sometimes in church and in our families to manage the unexpected. There's a group called Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Can you say that long name, please? Come on. Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. They're called the ECFA. See, this is why I give you sermon notes. Because most time in church, you don't know what the preacher said. And now you can look back and read it for yourself. Here is a group that studies finances of churches and charitable organizations. What they do is rate you, too. They have a rating system. And they have this whole accountability system. You can go look them up and research what they do. But here's what they, 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 they did this study of 40% of their church. And they found this. They certified churches. They found that they certified that it would be great if churches had six months of reserve. That's what they recommended. Six months. <coughs> the average church, though, had two months. Only 12% of churches had six months in reserve out of the churches that they surveyed which is about 40% of their churches. So I want you to think with me for a second. I want you to think, why in the world is that true? I'll tell you why. It's because of the way we think. It's because of the way we live our lives. And there has to come a day you make a decision not to live that way. Because we, we're taught we're nonprofit, we're taught not to be entrepreneurial, we're taught not to try, and we're taught not to band together. And then you get one poor guy who gets up there and he's trying to make all these weird things happen. It doesn't work that way. And I'm going to tell you something really amazing on the first Sunday in next month. So make sure you're here. If you want to be nosy, you want to hear stuff, come that Sunday. And I'm going to say all kind of stuff. And I, I, I want you to understand the power of uniting together around a common vision. But today, I, I want to switch. I, I want to take this whole unexpected thing. And, and explore an example of a person responding to an unexpected challenge. And you can take this principle and apply it across all of your life, whether it be finances, job change, whatever it is you're facing, I want to show you how we should respond when the unexpected comes. I want to show you what Hurricane Strong looks like. I want to show you what an individual did when life switched on him all of a sudden. Now, in chapter 17 of... First Kings, we are studying in what's called inverted order. We should do verse 1 through 16 first, but that's next week. Next week we'll talk about a person who's gifted to get the help they need. That's next week. Gifted with help. Today, though, I switched it, and I'm talking about a person who had an incredible moment with a woman that he had helped. He helped. He helped this woman. And you'll see that next week. Her, she had one son, and the son dies suddenly. I want you to listen to this dialogue, chapter 17 of 1 Kings, verse 17, and learn an incredible lesson. It happened after these things that the son of the woman, the woman who owned the house, became sick. What house? Elijah comes through town, ends up helping this woman. She ends up letting him stay there. And so she's there. Her one son's there. 
and the son becomes sick. And the sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him, so he died. Now that is unexpected. So you have an unexpected circumstance that he had nothing to do with. Then I want you to see this becomes not only a circumstance, but a loss. He dies. So she comes to Elijah, imagine this, with the son in her arms and says, What have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? She's standing there with, with her dead son in her hand, and she is upset, and this is a horrible loss. She's overwhelmed with grief, and believe it or not, she's misunderstanding the moment because she is now blaming Elijah. Have you ever been blamed for something you had absolutely nothing to do with? Now, in this moment, Elijah, because she came at him wrong, he could have came back and said, hey, look, now, now, you know you're being crazy. I did not kill your son. I was over here. Your son died over there. I don't know what you're talking about. That could have been his attitude. When unexpected things happen in your life, how do you respond? What do you do? What do you say? When the unexpected takes place in your life, do you become frustrated? Do you become lost? Do you become a person who sits there and you just kind of moan and groan? This was a moment when you see a guy rise up and do something that very few people would do in an unexpected moment. Notice he comes up with this, what I call an unexpected plan. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. An unexpected plan. There's no time to think. There's no time to ask anybody. There's no time to pray. All he says to her, give me your son, verse 19. And he took him out of her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his bed. Okay. A lot of things go through my mind when I read this because in my history, I have had to interact with dead people. I was a, I was a transporter at Cedar sinai Medical Center at 19 years old, and I remember I had never up until that time dealt with anybody who was deceased, and it was emotional. It was absolutely emotional to have to physically touch, carry, and I've had to carry their babies to the morgue. I've had to do all of that. And I've had a lot of celebrities that I see on reruns. I know they're dead because I took them to the morgue, so I know they're gone. That was part of my job description. I've seen autopsies. So I've engaged, and every week in this job, I have engaged the whole process of death at least twice a month, sometimes every week, sometimes two or three times a week. So it's a part of my life. And what's interesting is when I read this, I'm, I'm thinking how emotional it must have been to pass the body to him and for him to carry the body upstairs. Now, I'm thinking to myself, first of all, why did you tell her to give you the body? What in the world is that about? What are you going to do? That's the question, right? And what's in his mind on the way upstairs? Imagine that long walk. What would you be thinking? What would you be praying? This is unexpected. I have a, I have a job that is now a career that's dying or dead. What's it like when the relationship, the marriage, the communication, what is it like when you feel like everything in your life is dying? This is a moment, but I want you to watch this guy take hold of the moment. He reaches out and says, give it to me. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to walk up these stairs and step 
by step. He's praying, he's thinking, and he's confused. And that's part of dealing with what's unexpected in your life. Well, watch what happened. He prays this unexpected prayer. <laughs> he didn't practice this prayer. He just says it. Falls out of his heart, verse 20. He cried to the Lord. Listen to what he says. Oh, this is good. Oh, Lord, my God, have you also brought tragedy on this widow with whom I lodge? She put me up in this house, God. The woman let me stay here. And you have killed her son. So he blames God. I didn't do it. Woman blamed him. He blames God. And I want you to notice something. God says absolutely nothing. He says absolutely nothing. There's no heavenly response. You would think God would say, okay, we'll send the angels to go help comfort him. You know, let's do something. He, Elijah's upset. We need to do something because Elijah's blaming me for this. But there's nothing. Have you noticed sometimes with God when you're the most frustrated, there's silence? Haven't you noticed there are times in life when you're just silent, there's absolutely nothing. There's absolutely nothing. And there's this moment when Elijah is frustrated. He's sitting there and, he's, and, and there's no response from heaven and I want you to think with me for a second here he comes and he's deciding what to do and I want you to notice this verse 21 he does what I call an unexpected approach he takes this unexpected approach the Bible says in verse 21 he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said oh Lord my God I pray let this child come back to him. Now, there's two things here I want you to see. One is he does something. Two, he asks something. Come on, say he does something. Yes. And he asks something. Yes. Now, I want you to notice this is a guy who has no plan. And what, what's really amazing is he doesn't just look. You know why I think some things never change for some of us? Because we do absolutely nothing. You see, he, see, you're praying for God to fix your finances, but you do absolutely nothing. You ask God to fix your health, but you make no efforts. You haven't gone to the doctor and get checked, and you could. You haven't tried. You haven't knocked on any doors. You have done absolutely nothing. And if a church sits there and complains about the community and gets up in your pulpit and talk about what people need to do and how they need to change, but you as a church do absolutely nothing, God will not respond to you. There is no way heaven's coming if you do absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. There's absolutely nothing. Sometimes if you're really honest, your marriage is falling apart. And instead of doing something, going to counseling, asking for help, reading a book, praying, Google on the internet, but you do nothing but complain. You do absolutely nothing. And that's why God hadn't come through. And that's why nothing's going to happen. Elijah sat there. And as long as he did absolutely nothing, nothing happened. But what he did was he said, I'm going to do something. I'm going to jump on him. One for the Father, one for the Son, and one for the Holy Spirit. I'm going to jump on it. You got to change this absolutely nothing stuff. You got to stop moaning and crying about your life. You don't like your body. You know what? You're doing absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Not one sit up, not one walk, nothing. Absolutely nothing. And you're crying about the way you look. Your hair, comb it at least. Do something. One, two, three, four. Do something. Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. 
backing up. I'm not going backwards. I'm going forward. I'm not going to just give 1,500 back to candy. I'm going to give 1,600 back to candy. I'm going to do more. My company is dying. This company is going down. What are you doing? Coming to work late. Halfway doing your job. Halfway paying attention. Halfway treating customers. Absolutely nothing. You deserve to die. Deserve to stay dead. You have to ask to rise. Ask God to rise. Ask God for something that doesn't make sense. Ask God for something that nobody else asks for. Desire something that nobody else wants. Pray something nobody else will pray. Pick up something dead and believe God can raise it up again. There's something about this moment. And it's when you get that spirit in you, something changes. If you do absolutely, you know, stay dead. In the end, yet an unexpected result. Bible said, verse twenty-two. Watch this. There's what I call in number six now an expected heavenly response. The Lord heard. Oh, y'all heard him now. <laughs> he jumped on that dead body. Y'all heard. <laughs> look at it. Look at it, man. He heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came back to him, and he revived. Amen. And then they had this unexpected result. Watch what happens. Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room and to the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, his son lives. And his son, this is important. I'm done. I'm going to read this. Verse 24. Then the woman said to Elijah, now, by this. Come on, say, by this. Amen. See, by this I know that the man of God, I know, by this I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord is in your mouth. People don't care about all your titles and all your fancy dresses and all that stuff. They want to see something. Come on, say amen. They want to see something come alive. They want to hear a word to lift their spirit. They want to see God work a miracle in their life. I believe that my God can do it. Do you believe it? Well, stand up on your feet, man, and I want you to give God the biggest shout and the biggest praise you can like a person who is not going to do absolutely nothing. Those days are behind you. Come on, shout, amen. Come on, shout. Let me hear you shout. Come on, God, you're able. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody needs me to pray for them. Come on down to this altar today. I'm praying for people today. Come on down here. If you say, Pastor Rick, that's for me. I need to pray. I need prayer. That's right. Be first in line. Come on. You want me to pray for you. Some of you know, you said, Pastor, I'm dealing with something unexpected. I'm dealing with something unexpected. I did not expect this. Come close to the altar. Come on, close, close, close. I'm dealing with something unexpected in my life. And you may have been doing absolutely nothing, but not after the day. Not after the day, you're going to explore your options. You're going to lift your faith. You're going to rise up in Jesus' name. God is able to do abundantly above all you can ask of him. Come on, God is able to do abundantly above all you can ask or think. Come on, my God is able to do. Come on, come on, praise him. Come on, praise him. Oh, yes, he is. The way to my house, I, I ride by the ride. Wash the I call it. You should call it. Wash the Wash man. What you call laundry man. I remember that's, that's how we used to, you had that little buggy, you rolled that little buggy behind you, put your laundry in there and take it with you. Come a mighty long way. Ain't nothing wrong with going there. If you need to go, go. I'm just saying. 
Your God is able. Come closer. Come on. Get closer. Get closer. Come on. Your God is able. Come on. Come on. Get closer. God is able. God is able. Lift those hands up. Father, we praise you and thank you for victory over the unexpected today. We thank you, Lord God, that we are victorious. We thank you, Lord God, that we are free today. We thank you in Jesus' name. That today is the day that you have given us victory. Today is the day that you have given us a word. We're not backing up. We're going forward. And we believe with all of our hearts that you called us. You've given us an example. Do something. When the unexpected comes, do something. Need a job, apply. You need to get in shape, walk. Do something. And so, Father, we believe by faith today that when we leave this place, the fire of God will be lit in our hearts. Passion and confidence will rise in our spirits. And we give you glory in Jesus' name. And everybody say, Amen. Amen. Now give God a big hand. Come on, praise Him. Father, we love you today. We thank you today. We honor you today. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise. As I close, there are two things I want to pray about with you. One is I want to pray about starting a walk with God. For some of you, this could be the day you say, you know, I need to review my walk with God, my spiritual state. You may be a good person. You may be a wonderful person, but you never really gave your life to Jesus. With every head bowed, every eye closed, you say, Pastor Rick, today pray for me. Pray for me that I can get my life going in the right direction spiritually. I need to surrender my life to Jesus today. I need to do this in a new way sincere commitment if you're here today and you say pastor I want to start a life with Jesus I want to get my life going in the right direction spiritually I want you simply simply to just simply join me in this prayer Jesus I surrender my life to you I come acknowledging you I ask you to forgive me let me help help me start a brand new today I, I, I love you I, I know you love me and I just ask you to let this be the beginning of a new walk with you in Jesus name with every head bowed, every eye closed. If you say that prayer is the prayer I pray for myself, raise your hand. You say that's my prayer. I I, I acknowledge a need. I see you. I see you. Anybody else? I, I acknowledge you. I see you. Yes, I see you. Yes, I see several hands. Thank you. Some at home. Some are raising their heart and their hand. I see you. Father, let this be that prayer for them. That they would say my life with Jesus started new today. In Jesus' name. Now I want you to look at me for this next prayer. Today I'm going to open the doors of membership. And it's going to be different. Membership's changing the way people define it. I'm going to give you four steps to membership. Some of you have been here for a while, but you never really joined. You've been hanging around. You're a hang-arounder. Or you're a hang-arounder online, too, see? I want you to listen carefully to this. If you're willing to do four things, come on, say live, live serve, serve, give, give and come. come. Then you can join can join listen to me commit to live a set-apart life that is consecrated with to God that you're gonna live right you're gonna live right now I'm not gonna list all that for you I'll let the Holy Spirit list it for you I'll tell you more later if I think you off I'll, I'll say no that's not it right there we'll talk later but at this point you just commit to live number two commit to serve by investing your time in some measurable way to help others now that doesn't mean that you mean you're gonna do it all here because some we don't have enough jobs for all of you there's 3,200 membership. We can't give everybody a job. We may have another 30 or 40 openings, but we don't have hundreds. But I want you to serve somewhere. I don't care where it is. Volunteer, help somebody. Do something. Kingdom work somewhere else. Say amen. If you want to do that, if you want to thoroughly give, understanding that it's unfair to demand others to carry your cost. 
you want to join and say, I want to be a part, I want to give. I want to be a part, I want to participate in giving. I believe in tithing. You may say, I don't believe in tithing. Well, give a whole lot then. I don't care. <laughs> Whatever you call it, praise God. It's not God with, with some sincere gift. Then dollars and $2 and all that. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being committed. You pray about that. Number four, come in person or online. Do either one. Now, please don't come if you are struggling but sincerely want to please do come rather if you are struggling and want to change you may say well I want to come but I can't live right or right away bring your brokenness bring your broken wagon as long as you're sincere and you want to change we can work with that but don't come if you don't want to be challenged if you're going to be offended if anybody asks you to live right don't join if you're not willing to serve anywhere don't serve don't, don't join if you don't want to give or come in person if you just want to come one time join and then wait for me to bury you when you die <laughs> I want you if you want that in your life I want you to get one of these blue cards that they have a get connected card and and then what you do is you just put your name your phone number and your email in English on here okay and then I want you to bring that to me after church I'm gonna be down here and you, you just bring it to me today and I'm gonna shake your hand and that's it Come on, amen. That's it. Praise God. That's it. That's it. You said, no, I'm not coming down there. Well, here's my email. What's my email address? You ready? Pastor at what? Overcomingbyfaith.org. January 1st, we're going to start an online membership. An online membership for people who can't physically get here. So we're going to touch you whether you're here or where you, whether you're there. And we're going to make it easy for you. But we're also going to challenge you. We want you to rise up and become people of God. Now, let's all pray. Father, I thank you for the service today. I thank you for all that's been said. May the word that they've heard today bless their life. May they leave this place challenged. Some are going to say, Lord, my life will never be the same. My life will never be the same. But I thank you for the power of the word of God in my life and what I've heard today in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. amen. Now, I'm not dismissing yet. You're going to go back to your seats and tell your neighbor how glad you are you came. Go do that first, then I'm going to dismiss you in just a second. While you're doing that, let me just say to those of you that are streaming in, today was a good service for you. I pray you were blessed by today. As we all stand, we're about to leave. I want you to all stand. Father, I thank you for the hand of God upon your people who are watching and those who are here today. We give you all the praise and all the glory. Let's all stand. We're about to go home.